are going to jump into a whole lot of scripture today, which is going to be fun. I just love the Word of God. I love the Word of God so much. Um, Pete Lusk, who we mentioned earlier, taught me something very valuable. Every time I'd see him, his Bible would be falling apart, but his life was not falling apart. And uh, he, he would often say to me, if your Bible's falling apart, your life isn't. And I love that. We've got to, we've got to get into the Word. All right, Psalm 85, you ready? This is my prayer for today. It's not our text for today, but it is my prayer for today. And I'd love you to pray it with, with me and with uh, the sons of Korah who wrote it as a song, as a prayer. Lord, you were favourable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. You withdrew all your wrath and you turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Is that not your prayer? That is my prayer. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace, kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. Righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Let me pray. Father God, that's our prayer for today. That is our prayer for our land. That is our prayer for our nation. That is our prayer for our families. That is our prayer for our own lives. That you would come, that you would speak and that you would revive us, O Lord. Oh Lord, we cry out to you. We know that we are living in dark times. We know that the enemy is after our souls. And yet we also know that you sing over us, that you shout over us, that you say, that one is mine. And your righteousness is what sustains us. And so God, we pray for revival. We pray for revival in us. We pray for revival in this church. We pray for revival in the churches in this region. We pray for revival for the Yarra Valley region. We pray for revival for every single believer in our nation. And we pray that our nation would stand up and cry out for mercy. Would stand up and say, God, there is no one but you. And there is no other path to go on but the path of righteousness. If we don't have you, we've got nothing. All the self-help books and the wellness this and the wellness that and the yoga this and the coach that and the hotline this and a hotline that, without Jesus, it is nothing. All the riches in the world will never satisfy the human soul. Some of the richest people in this planet, on this planet, have died by suicide again and again and again. It won't satisfy. 
The images on TV will not satisfy. The likes and the comments, the agendas will not satisfy. Politics will not satisfy. We need the living water. Why did the woman caught in adultery go from man, sorry, not the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, why did she go from man to man to man to man? Because she was looking in the arms of man for what could only be found in the arms of Jesus. And we need to cry out for the fire of God to consume us. And if we don't have the fire of God, we have got nothing. We will bounce from entertainment to entertainment, from Instagram to Instagram, from YouTube to YouTube, from Netflix to Netflix. And we will never be satisfied because we did not run to the arms of our Saviour. If you haven't picked up, I've got a bit of a burning word on my heart this morning. Oh, this microphone is not COVID safe. No one touch it. <laughs> Except for me and my family. We will. Thank you, Liam. I don't know if you've been to England, but uh, in the UK, there's this weird thing, weird phenomena that you come across in the cities. You have all these houses with fireplaces and chimneys, but no fire. In the middle of London, they don't let you burn fires in your chimney anymore. Do you know what's really interesting, almost prophetically, because England was the birthplace of so many incredible revivals. And now here in Australia, Derbyn Council is lobbying the government to do a buyback scheme where people have to, people basically give up their fireplaces and they're not allowed to burn fire in their homes anymore because pollution and, and, you know, all of that. And I can hear half the rooms going, yes, save the trees. And half the rooms going, but I love my fireplace. That's not the point, so please don't, <laughs> please don't go down that path. But some may identify with me that when you walk into a house, into a home, and you see a fake fireplace where the original fireplace used to burn, it's pretty devastating, isn't it? Like you walk in and you go, hey, the, warm, the room's warm, but gee, the fire, nothing compares to a fire. And you see it every now and then, you walk into people's houses, they've even boarded up the fireplace and put in the split system, but you can see the mantle's there, you can see there was meant to be a fire, and you just... It's warm, but there's nothing quite like the fire. And my message today is that a holy fire will always fall on a holy sacrifice. And my challenge to you today is to allow the fire of God to burn in you while you still have breath in your lungs. Because there will come a time where we can't offer the, the sacrifice that we get to offer right now on this earth. We will be there in glory. It'll be incredible, but it's almost like, I don't want to say we'll lose our free will, but it won't be the same as what it is today. Today we get to, in the midst of darkness, burn for the Lord. And I don't know how you're feeling coming into 2021. If you read the news, which I just highly recommend you don't. <laughs> um, 
I need to make a video of myself saying that because I'm always reading the news. So I'm preaching to myself in case you're wondering. It feels like the world is very dark right now. Thing is, you don't have to just turn on the news. I was overhearing a bunch of teenage girls talking the other day. 16-year-olds, beautiful people. Like they just, they look like just beautiful young girls. And they're talking about all the different positions and places they've had sex in and, and what do you do about when you, you know, your boyfriend wants you to do this, do you go there and what do you do about that? And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these, these poor 15, 16-year-olds. You don't have to turn on the news, you just have to look out your front door. Some of us just have to look in the mirror and we go, yep, the world is getting darker. But I want to encourage you, just as Liam did, light shines brightest in the darkness. And every revival, every major, sorry, was, it's all good, okay, come on. Hey, Jax, this, this is a messy church, but I like it. Fire, this is the thing, you, you can't, you can contain fire within a fireplace, but you can't control it. The way it burns, the way it's just so unique. That's why we love watching fire, don't we? We never quite know what it's going to do. How's it going to burn? How's it going to lick? How's it going to move? We just love, fire is so mesmerizing because it's never, it's never the same. But I tell you what, there's nothing like fire. I love a good messy church because you never quite know what the Lord's going to do. <laughs> And you know, I've been thinking about the battle of our time. I've been thinking about the reality of how dark the world is getting at the moment. And I've been reflecting on the reality that only the fire of God will do. That's it. It's so interesting. You go on Amazon, you go on Apple Books, you walk into a bookstore, a newsagent. You know, have you seen now like wellness magazines are a thing? There's like New Idea and Women's Weekly gardening australia and wellness magazines and they're really taking off the world is desperate for wholeness and for healing but i'm telling you right now and if you're here you probably not but some of you may not you might still be looking to the left and the right the only one that will satisfy is our god and the fire of god is the only thing that can actually set you ablaze for the destiny that god has for you and you will not find your destiny in the arms of a person. Do you know that boyfriends, girlfriends, all that deal, they, husbands, wives, kids, parents, do you know they compliment you but they don't complete you? If you need someone else in your life to be complete, you've missed the whole point of the blood of Jesus. So we're talking about fire. What is fire? Where do we find fire in the Bible? I've got a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to run through them. And then we're actually going to sit in 1 Kings. We're going to look at Elijah and the, uh, the battle with the prophets of Baal. That's going to be fun. Everyone loves a bit of false prophets slaying. <laughs> if you know the story, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you're going, oh my gosh, where's the exit? All right. Okay, so fire in the Bible, what is it? Firstly, it's a symbol or a descri describer of God. It points to God. 
Hebrews 12.29 talks about our God as a consuming fire. Malachi 3.2 says that he's like a refiner's fire. So you bring the junk and he burns it away. Isaiah 4.4 talks about him as cleansing through a spirit of burning. Our God cleanses through a spirit of burning. Matthew 3.11 talks about our God. It's John, he's speaking about him. He says that he's one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you want to know what fire is in the Bible, the first thing that fire is in the Bible is it's a describer of God. If you see fire, and this, uh, you'll, you'll see this as we go, if you see fire, pay attention in the spirit. And you might even see it in the natural. It has happened where fire has fallen in meetings. But when you see fire in scripture, pay attention because it's, it's almost always saying God is here. God is doing something. Fire is also in the Bible. It's a symbol of acceptance. We find fire where God is pleased. Leviticus 9, 22 to 24. I might just read it. Love this. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and he blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And get this, fire, and this is not like um, a metaphor, real fire. Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. If you want a biblical reference for being slain in the spirit, that's one of many. The fire comes out and they are so, whoa, that they fall on their faces. Do you know that this is like literally, and it's all through scripture, this is literally how the Lord would accept people's offerings is literal fire would come down and consume the offering. It's interesting because you see counterfeits of the kingdom in the world. So Hindus, they offer offerings, food and all of this. Unfortunately, all that seems to come to consume them is flies. <laughs> I've seen it. It's sad, but that's the reality. In, uh, in Buddhism, in Confucianism, in some of these Chinese uh, religions, they actually burn money for the dead. Did you know that? So that the dead can receive money in the afterlife, so they've got a little bit of cash to spend. I don't know what they're buying in the afterlife, but apparently you need cash. But these are all counterfeits for the pure fire of God. And I've been asking the question, when was the last time you heard of fire falling in a synagogue? What if fire right now is meant to fall on you and I? Literal fire? I don't know but definitely spiritual fire. We know that he wants spiritual fire to fall on us and to consume us. And for us to, you know, I think it was Jeremiah talks about a fire that shut up in his bones. This, when was the last time you burned for the Lord? Burned, where you just, everything in you is just crying out, Yahweh, Jesus. That's what we need. Genesis 15 talks about, so fire is something as a symbol of acceptance or where God is pleased. Talks about uh, the fire of God moving uh, through an acceptable offering. 
the offering split, the fire comes through. Judges 13, 19, Samson's parents, I love this and I, I, I feel this for, I feel like the Lord just wants to hit on some relationships today. Samson's parents experienced the angel of the Lord going up in fire on their offering. And they thought, oh my goodness, we're going to die. Like the angel of the Lord has been here. But the fire goes up and then they find out we're having a special kid. See, they were acceptable. There was, there was a, a, a sense of the Lord was pleased with his parents and blessed them with him. Exodus 3, you see Moses and the burning bush. And here is a man who was like, I cannot stand by while my people are being beaten and whipped. And he runs in there and he says, enough. And he kills and it's awful and he shouldn't have killed and he has to flee and all of that. But the heart was pure. My people cannot be beaten in this way. And the fire of God speaks to him through a burning bush and says, I've got a mission for you. Why? Because he saw the heart of a man who would stand for his nation. The other thing that we see with fire in the Bible is it's a symbol of his presence. I mentioned that before. If you see fire, look for, for God. Yahweh leads his people through the wilderness with a pillar of fire. The disciples gathered in the upper room and what happened? Tongues of fire came, descended on them. His presence comes. But let me say this, his presence always comes for power and for authority and for a mission. I once said this when I was a young adults pastor up at Discovery Church. People were a little concerned about my sense of humour and I've now matured, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. I said, imagine if the disciples had just hung out in the upper room after the fire fell. They're just sitting up there, having a little smoke, having a good old time, enjoying the fire. The world would have never been transformed. The fire doesn't fall for you to go, it's so warm and lovely. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It doesn't come out. The fire of God falls so that you will actually take the revival fire of God and pour it out on every relationship in your world. Pour it out on your neighbours. Pour it out for the lost. We need the fire of God. If we do not have the fire of God, we have got nothing. So, how do we go after the fire of God? That's probably the next logical question to my rant. 1 Kings 16, let's have a look. So grab your Bibles because we're going to sit in 1 Kings. They say, scripture heavy. I'm often like a one verse person, like, this is the verse, now let me tell you 10 stories. But now I'm like 100 verses and maybe a story, we'll see. All right, 1 Kings chapter 16. Ahab reigns in Israel. In the 38th year of Asa, what a name, Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel. 
And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. If all the names and the Israel and the context confuses you, just know this. There was a bad guy ruling God's chosen people. And he was so bad that the Bible says he was worse than everyone else that had his position before him. 1 Kings 17 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. If, if you need the context, it's basically God says to Elijah, you've got to go confront Ahab and actually tell him that it's not going to rain on this land until you speak again. Why? Because the Lord was withdrawing his hand from the land because the evil of the king. It says here in chapter 18, verse 1, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So time has moved forward, and now Elijah is being told, Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time for the fire of God to burn in Israel again. 1 Kings 18, verse 17, and we're going to do a reasonable amount of reading. Ready? So when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab doesn't really like him. These flaming Christians, you know, what are they doing? Causing so much trouble to our government. Oh my goodness. Is it you, Elijah, or you troubler of Israel? He answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have. When's the last time you caught up with, I don't know, a prime minister or a premier or president? He said, oh, you're a bit of a troublemaker. No, 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 it's not me, it's you. And we're talking about a very, 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 very evil king. We're not talking about a nice one that says, hmm, I shall... I'll have to talk to my team about putting a restraining order on you. This is the kind of king that would just cut your head off. (laughs) I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, the Baals are gods other than Yahweh, other than our God. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel, And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all of the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? It's an interesting word, limping. Let me propose that until you learn to stand and to walk 
in the ways of our Lord, your life will be a limp. You cannot walk with confidence in the righteousness and the fullness of Christ while you've got one foot here and one foot there and you can't make up your mind. You're either the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or you're not. And if you are, you will be amazed what transformation happens through your life. They are limping between two different opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Man, this guy's on a, he's on a rampage, hey? He's gone after the king, now he's gone after the people. Then Elijah said to the people, I even I only am left a prophet of the Lord. All the other true prophets of the Lord were banished to the caves. It's just Elijah standing. Sometimes we need to stand when no one else is around. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. You call upon the name of your God. I'll call upon the name of my, the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire because he is God. And all the people answered, it's well spoken. So what's he done now? He set up a, a challenge. He set up a throwdown. He's gone, right, you guys are limping between two opinions. Is it God or is it Baal? I'll show you who it is. I'll show you who the Lord is. I'll show you the one you should be coming to. Build an altar, put an offering on it. I'll build an altar, I'll put an offering on it. And whichever altar the fire falls on will know who God is. And the people are like, fair call. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull, prepare it first, for you are many. Call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. They took the bull that was given to them. They prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. Oh, wasn't this working? I mean, like, come on. Surely the world works. Like, Surely I can, I can chase after Baal and, and also be an Israelite. I can have, no, what, why is it not, why can't it? They limped. Around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them. <laughs> now, I don't recommend mocking but in this instance, it's kind of funny. Saying, cry aloud, for he is a God. <laughs> Either he's musing. Yes, this is how he spoke. Yeah, he spoke just like this, but in a different language. <laughs> All right. Sorry, my wife's Indian. It just happens. Oh, my gosh. You better cry aloud. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he's relieving himself. <laughs> I love that. Like, he might be taking a leak, like a little louder, guys. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and he must be awakened. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom. 
with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. It's just devastating. Like, just think about it. They're walking around. And you know, when I see this, I think of the teenagers. Like, I think of a whole generation with the grass going up and up and up and up for self-harm and suicide. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working for us. It's not working. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, which is the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took 12 stones, and according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed, and he put the wood in order, cut the bulls in pieces, and laid it on the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. He said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. What he's doing is he's making it like pretty much impossible for this thing to catch on fire. There are people in this room and you feel like, sorry, mate, great message about the fire of God, but I'm drenched. There ain't no fire falling here. We shall see about that. <laughs> and at the time of the offering of the oblation or the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people, why? Not just for himself. He says, answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. This is not a show. It's a showdown, but it's not a show. He's not going, ha. If this fire falls and, you know, and I one up them, I'm going to turn them back to God. It's God that moves on the hearts of people. He knows that. He says, Lord, I need you to move. Not for me. No, I need you to move so that they will say, the Lord turned our hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering. And, get this, <laughs> consumed meaning gone. And it consumed <laughs> the wood and the stones and the dust. Boom! <laughs> it licked up the water 
that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord is God, the Lord is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let no one of them escape. They seized him, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon, and he slaughtered them there. Do you know that the wages of sin is death? We don't like talking about that. Now this is pre-cross, but the same penalty applies to anyone and everyone that does not call on the name of the Lord. Whether it happens by a spear or whether it happens on judgment day. It's a full-on sobering thought. But you know what as well? The fact that Elijah killed these prophets, slaughtered them, was also a picture of the mercy of God for Israel. No more. No more. This is done. It's like surgery. It's like cutting out a cancer, but life flourishes once it's gone. And he knew that that nation could not follow after Baal anymore. And he slaughtered those false prophets. And then you know what happens? For the sake of time, I won't read it, but do you know what happens then? The Lord sends rain. The Lord sends rain for all. The rain falls on all when the people of God call for the fire of God. Three things, really quickly, just to help you kind of apply something to your life and then we're going to call down the fire of God. Number one, you need to confront the king, the small K king. No, 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 no. This is not how I do life. This is not how we do life. We need to confront the king, the small k king. Ahab's got to go. The Welsh revival, you might be familiar with the Welsh revival. It's one of the greatest revivals in modern history. People say the Pentecostal movement, which is now the fastest growing church in the world, fastest growing movement, was birthed out of that time and that place and we had the Azusa Street Revival and all this. Do you know how it started? People would put it down to two, two particular um, individuals. A gentleman by the name of Evan Roberts whose cry was, bend me, O oh God. Bend me. In other words, do whatever you want to do. You grab me and you bend me. There's no stiff-neckedness the, around this king, Jesus. We have got to say, I am the clay, you are the potter, bend me, do whatever you want to do. And the other person that they put this revival down to, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people saved, lives transformed, dead churches waking up, just incredible miracle signs and wonders. It's a little girl in a prayer meeting who repented. I've stood in the hall where her and some others gathered and she, in the middle of the prayer meeting, just began confessing her sins 
and just repented before the Lord. I fear that one of the dangers of the righteousness doctrine which I fully subscribe to is that we lose the place of repentance. You are righteous and the devil wants to destroy you and he is sending every fiery dart. And if you grab it and you eat it and you consume it and you allow sin to begin to... It says, don't let sin reign in your mortal life. Don't let it. And if you grab it and you consume it, you need to repent and get rid of it because it's not who you are. It's not your reality. It's not your destiny. And you should have no part in it. And sometimes we go, well, well, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. It's all good, bro. I'm righteous. I've heard it. Or if that, hey, mate, why are you swearing like that? I'm righteous. Literally, I've heard that. I'm righteous, mate. They, they tell me what to do. Campus revivals in the US, so often marked, I've read books on this, so often marked by people running to the front of their campus chapel and throwing down their idols, literally. One guy ran back to his dorm, grabbed his push bike and ran into the chapel and threw it on the ground. People throwing money on the ground. People throwing all sorts of manner of things on the ground because they're like, if it causes me to sin, I don't want it. Like, if it causes me to sin, I don't want it. And I just wonder, how hungry are we for the fire of God? I miss the fire, personally. I, I see it at times, I see little flickers, but man, I've seen blind eyes healed and deaf ears healed and gold dust just splattered all over the side of buildings while I'm preaching. I'm preaching and people are going, that hasn't happened for a while, I'm still waiting. Like I'm like, I miss the fire of God at times. And I'm not saying that you have to have gold dust and you have to have healings for the fire of God. Don't dictate to God how he wants to burn. He'll burn how he wants to burn. But I tell you what, I'm hungry. And we need to be so hungry for the Lord that we will let his fire fall. So first thing is confront the king. Just deal with it. Lay it down. Number two, come to the altar with your offering. And I want to say this, and it's quite funny because there's a really weird looking mannequin thing down there. But it's going to help me with my illustration. I don't know where this came from. I don't know what it's doing at our church. But, alas, it is here. Come to the altar with your offering. Now, Yang, what are we going to start killing little puppets? Just bear with me while I try and show you what this looks like. If this is Jesus and you come to the altar, bring him and only him. I think sometimes we go, we come to the altar and we go, I've got Jesus, but also, um, can I bring a few of the good works that I've done lately? Because I reckon that might make this an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Check out my Bible, it's falling apart. <laughs> you know, 
Or the other thing we do is we go, we come to the altar, we bring Jesus. I know this is a really weird thing. <laughs> we come to the altar, we bring Jesus, but we go, oh, but there's also all of my sin over here and, and uh, what do I do? The Bible says... <laughs> no. <laughs> the Bible says in John 1, 36... It says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So when you come, I should still be holding that, but that's all right. When you come, you bring Jesus, and on him is all of your sin. Ever thought about that? Just bring Jesus. It's enough. He's enough. He's enough for the image. He's enough for the act. He's enough for the words. He's enough. And I really believe, and I, I spoke to Liam on the phone today, uh, this week and he, he confirmed it, that some of us in this space, I'm just going to be, there's no other way to put it, this is conviction, not condemnation. You are righteous, etc., etc. Some of us need to get on our faces and repent before the Lord. Some of us have got like gaping gashes in our armour and we just need him to come and just, just heal us. Some of us have even got demonic things just attached to us at the moment. They're just plaguing us and they, they need to be consumed. Do you know what I love about this story? You come to the altar, the altar that was broken, it's repaired. And the fire comes and consumes not only the offering, but everything around it. And you need to believe that when the fire of God comes in your life, all the wood and the dust and the rocks all this stuff, he can take it. He can consume it. And he can restore you. Just bring Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, and the fire will fall. Holy fire always falls on a holy sacrifice. Don't bring yourself righteousness. And don't let your sin stop you. Romans 12:1 says that we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Matthew 5 says, if you come to the altar and you remember that you've got a fence against someone, go fix it and then come back to the altar. Leave your gift coming. There will be action required off the back of today. Some of you will have to delete certain things, have certain conversations, forgive certain people. There will be action. I love how Bill Johnson says, he says, Revival actually needs to be tra translated into society. It's one thing for something to happen in you. It's another thing for allow him to do something through you. But as you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, who are you presenting? You're presenting Jesus. And so fire's going to fall. Why? Because you are in him and he is in you if indeed you call yourself a believer. Think about that for a moment. 
Often we go, oh, I couldn't present myself to the Lord. I'm too this and I'm too that. But you can present Jesus. And Jesus says you're in him. and He's in you. So just bring him. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an old-fashioned altar call. Do you know why it's called an altar call? I mean, you probably know by now. I've shared enough about altars today. It's called an altar call because the preacher is saying, come to the altar and let the fire fall. Come to the altar and let the Lord consume that which is consuming you. Come to the altar and let God burn in you again. Like burn! And let the the stubble and the hay and the trash just be destroyed as the fire of God comes. He's an all-consuming fire. And you know the beauty of it, the power of it? Is then your light will shine before men and women. I could tell you story after story of times throughout the week where I'll finish my coffee and I'll just go up to the the counter, I'll say, do you guys need prayer for anything? Sorry, prayer, prayer, what? Prayer, can I pray for you for anything? Oh yeah. And just the open doors as you're praying for people. The times where I'm running on the Warby Trail and I, and I just stop, I go, hey, I just want to encourage you, Jesus loves you. No way. The fire of God comes How's this? I'll share one testimony really quickly. This is so good. And then we're praying. We're good? This is what we're going to do. As I share this testimony, actually, I'll share the testimony. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm going to share this testimony and then I'm just going to sing over us for a minute. And I want everyone in this room that says, I need the fire of God to fall on my life. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe there's demonic activity that needs to be dealt with. I don't know what it is. But if the Lord is, is knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, it's, it's a, today's your day of fire, a baptism of fire, then I want to invite you to come forward and we'll push the chairs back. Liam and myself, um, Unless Liam's on his face, I might be on my face. You never know what's going to happen. But where possible, some of the leaders will pray. I know some of the leaders have already said to me today, I need prayer today. Do not let your position get in the way of your position. If you're worship leading today, you're relieved. If you're on the camera, you're relieved. If you're the pastor or the elder, or the, you, this is your time before the Lord. So I went to a baptism last Sunday. That's why I wasn't here and um, there's a Chinese uh, girl sharing her testimony. It was my sister-in-law's baptism, but this Chinese girl was also getting baptised. She went to Buddhist temple 
couple of years ago. She's been in Australia for four years. And she prayed at the Buddhist temple, if there is a creator to this universe, I want to know him. Friend begins to talk to her. They start up a bit of a friendship and he's trying to convince her that Jesus is God. He's the creator, he loves her, and he wants a relationship with her. She's umming and ahhing about this very conversation while they're walking together in the shops. I believe it was Eastland Shopping Centre. And as they are going up the escalators, a girl, a woman is coming down the escalators. She points at this Chinese girl and says, hey you, Jesus loves you, and just goes on with the rest of her day. Not knowing that that word, that phrase, Jesus loves you, was the confirmation that this girl needed. She was baptised last Sunday. She's now engaged to the man that led her to the Lord that was on the escalator. And now they're going to have an incredible legacy. And I, I share that to say I want to be that old lady, you know, on the escalator saying, hey, Jesus loves you. I don't want the, I don't want the crap of the world to stop me from burning 24-7 because people's eternities depend on it. Why was Elijah so cut to the core? He's seeing these people limping. They're limping. They're cutting themselves. It's not working. I read my wellness magazine. I did my yoga. I slept with that guy. I slept with that girl. I voted this way. I voted that way. But it's still not working. He says, oh God, send your fire that they may know that you are God, that they may know that you're the one that turned their hearts to you. If you need the fire, I just invite you to come. 